Hello and welcome to the Film Pulse Podcast. This is episode number 266. My name's Adam Patterson. Today I'm joined by Kevin Rakestraw. How are you, Kevin? I'm doing all right. Nice. How's it going with you? Um, pretty good. Pretty good. Getting ready for this uh, big trip, which uh, does lead me to some quick housekeeping news. There will not be a regular episode next week, so there won't be a regular podcast. We should still have Ryan Watches a Movie. But not a regular show. Because we're going to Italy. Look at you. Yeah, just globe trotting. Just globe trotting all over the place. Mr. Jet Setter. Yep, yep. That's how it, that's how it is. Gonna go to Milan and Venice and Rome. Maybe some other cities. Would. Gonna be packing a lot of. Uh, Argento films to take with me. Probably some Bavas, maybe some Fulci's. Oh boy. Yeah. Basically, this is going to be a complete Giallo tour for me. Yeah. Pretty excited. I can imagine. Yep. This week on the show, we'll be talking about Nathan Silver's Thirst Street alongside David Lowry's A Ghost Story. Yes, we're finally going to be reviewing A Ghost Story. Uh, just came out. Just came out on VOD. It's been oh, in th- is that what it is? Yeah, it's been in theaters for like many months, <laughs> but not many. A couple. I'm just gonna a couple like, it, it just came out. It's just released. It's, it's new to you. It's new to you. If you believe hard enough. We'll also be going over something we've been watching on the watch list, new releases in theaters, VOD, and Blu-ray. couple of news items to discuss before we get into our first review. Uh, two, two trailers of note came out this, this week. One, Isle of Dogs. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> Have you seen this trailer? I did see the trailer. Now, I'm not 100% sure, but the dog that they're looking for... The dog that's in its little cage type thing there. What type of dog is that? I don't know. Were you able to discern what type of dog no. that was? Because to me, it kind of looked like a schnauzer. It, it, they all kind of have schnauzer qualities to them. They all, they all kind of seem like the kind of wire-haired. I have a schnauzer. You do? So, from the, like the, as soon as I saw that dog, I was like, is that a schnauzer? Like, I, I'm completely bought in. You, you could feel your heart melting? <laughs> yes. I was on... I was like, this, I was, movie, this movie is speaking directly to me, I think. Yeah, this this movie, as a dog lover myself and a Wes Anderson lover, this movie is, is going to be... I can already tell I'm going to love it, so... Yeah, should be a good time. Especially because Fantastic Mr. Fox was great. Yeah, it really was. It seems like it's just going to be kind of the same thing. It's just definitely the same animation style for sure. And it looks like the the comedy, like the humor in it is going to be very mm-hmm. similar as well, which I think just, which I think is is great because I think Wes Anderson's style of humor really lends itself to that to animation. Well, the other th- I just for whatever reason I really like that comedy coming from animals. I don't know why. I mean, I'm just. No, I just want to. I just want to stop. The, I want to pause this and go watch Fantastic Mr. Fox now because there were just. Can we, so, do that? Uh, there, Can we just cancel? Let's just cancel. Were, we'll just put this out. <laughs> and just what you do from here on out, just play audio of the film. 
We, and that'll just be the podcast. We could. Uh, I I think that that would probably be violating some copyrights, but we could probably. we could just we could just see how it goes. Give it a shot. You never know. Very excited for Isle of Dogs. Can't wait. Not not coming out this year. I think it's coming out next year, right? Sometime next year. Yeah, I was. I didn't really pay attention to when it was coming out. Not not soon point. enough. That's I think that's the answer that we have. I think you're correct. The other one that I wanted to to mention was The Endless. This is the new Justin Benson, Aaron Moorhead film. Uh, got a really cool teaser trailer. I'm hoping that that's that this one, this teaser trailer that came out this week, that's it. Like I'm hoping that that's all they release for this movie. Um, it, it got picked up by Wellgo, so it has distribution. I. Not sure if it has a release date yet. I don't think it does, but keep an eye out for it. If you liked resolution, if you liked spring, this one is, I would say, is it their best? Uh-oh. It's, it's up there. I mean, I, I, I don't know if I can, I, I need to see it again. I need to see it one more time and then I'll, I'll know if it was, cause I really liked their first two films. Mm-hmm. And this one is very much in the same vein. So if you liked Spring and Resolution, definitely put The Endless on your watch list because you will not be disappointed with this one. I'm interested because I really liked Resolution and Spring was kind of eh for me. Well, it the key to this one, the key to really being able to appreciate it and like it is read nothing going into it watch no more trailers like this teaser was good it gives you just the basics to get you pumped up to go into it don't read anything else don't read reviews don't don't just because i saw this at uh tribeca and all i knew was that it was justin benson aaron moorhead that's it and so you you get a lot out of it if you go in completely cold then you can read my review after you saw it Oh, yeah, see what you did yeah, there. See, that's how that's how it goes. Nice. Uh, all right, let's jump into our first review. Uh, I was thinking we could start off with Thirst Street since that's actually a new movie that came out this week. Um, it's uh, playing in limited release right now. I think it's just New York, actually. It's just playing in New York. Uh, came out on the the twentieth. Uh, this is written and directed by Nathan Silver. I have a synopsis here. Gina, an American flight attendant, falls in with a Parisian bartender on a layover, only to find herself tangled in a web of deception, delusion, and unrequited amour food. So, you have a you you wrote a review for this. It's up on the site now, so you can check that out. Uh, I will start it off. I thought Thirst Street was okay. It was sort of paying homage to a lot of these these psychosexual thrillers, um, these kind of Euro, these like Euro thrillers that I actually quite like a lot. So there were a lot of uh, elements to this, mostly in the visual department that I really appreciated. Mm-hmm. Story itself it was all right. Uh, I didn't. I didn't dislike anything that was going on in it. Maybe, maybe I wanted a little bit more out of it, a little bit more craziness, a little bit more of her. Cause, because the whole point, right. Is so she, her husband commits suicide and this sort of sets her down this 
d- this downward spiral. And on a layover in Paris, her friends uh, bribe a fortune teller to basically say, you're going to meet a new man. And I thought it was odd that she was like, he's going to have something going on with his eye. And it turned out that he had pink eye. <laughs> so I thought that was an interesting little little thing there. Um, so she meets this guy. They have a one-night stand. And she basically becomes obsessed with him and stalks him and dr- yeah. drops everything in her life to, to follow him around. Even though he's a sleazebag, he doesn't give a shit about her. He doesn't want anything to do with her. He humors her at the beginning, but that quickly dies off. And she slowly starts to lose it, but my impression going into it was that she was going to lose it a lot more than what she really did. I, I didn't, I didn't really feel like she had this like major psychotic break or anything. It was, it was a more grad. It was more of kind of a subtle thing. Yeah. I never thought that she was actually insane. Like she completely lost control of her faculties or anything like that. And just looking at, the type of movie this is and the tone that they were going for, I I guess maybe I just hoped that she would like completely crack and go completely nuts. I, I think I was just, I don't know what I was, I didn't really expect anything going in because I honestly didn't know anything about this outside of that it was Nathan Silver's newest film. I didn't really know what it was about. But to me, this is kind of like what you said. I wanted more in the sense that like the story itself just there wasn't a lot going on there wasn't really much to it and then add to that the dialogue is just because it has that intentional like you know there's kind of like a language barrier there with her not really knowing french and him kind of having a grasp on english and there's just so much so much of the dialogue is just them just stammering and just having trouble getting out what they're, you know, tr- trying to find the right words. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, oh, that's not helping anything. And then you got Angelica Houston pops up with her narration that has, adds no value whatsoever. I knew you were going to have a problem with that right <laughs> off the bat. As soon as, because because it starts, she starts at the very beginning. And I was like, right away, I'm like, oh boy, here we go, narration. I think Angelica Houston is an incredible narrator, though. And if I had it. If I had to have a narrator in a movie, it'd be Angelica Houston because she's yeah. she's, well, she's gotta, a great narrator. And I gotta imagine at, for this for this, you know, Nathan Silver is probably over the moon with getting Angelica Houston to do narration. Which at first, like when it first came on, right, I I was kind of like you, where I was like, ah, oh, Jesus. But I was like, I right, yeah, I give it a shot. It's not it's not bad. But then there's like long stretches where it doesn't exist. That's that's one of the biggest problems. Just just to correct you really quickly, I I didn't have a problem with it at the beginning. I I assumed that that was going to be a problem for you at the beginning. I didn't oh, particularly okay, yeah. mind it. I I I don't have as big of an issue with narration in movies as as you do. But that's one of the big problems that I have when narration is in movies where. It comes on strong at the beginning, like in the first act, and then it's completely dead in the second act. And then in the third act, suddenly it just comes back to wrap things up. And a lot of times when that happens in movies, it feels like this is lazy, you know, because they're trying, like, they don't have a way to convey these ideas within the narrative. So they just have somebody tell us what's happening. Yeah. And the other thing that I didn't. With, I mean, the, the big issue that I had with it 
is because of there's that long stretch, right, where it doesn't exist at all. And then all of a sudden it just pops back up, which it seemed completely unnecessary because we were doing fine without the narration. And then it pops up towards the end for little bits here and there. And essentially all it does is tell you about something that you're about to see within like two seconds. Time. Right. Like, I feel like if you're, so, if you're going to do the narration, you got to commit to it. It literally adds no value. It's just, I mean, at this point I'm thinking it's just an excuse to be like Angelica Houston's in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, Lindsay Burge did a pr- pretty great job as usual. I mean, she, this role sort of reminded me of, of um, her role in a teacher similar similar thing going on in that in that but she she's great in these in these types of roles she seems to have the uh the troubled sort of uh she's, she, mentally unstable she person really well. <laughs> pretty yeah but when you know what i mean like on the outside she just seems completely normal yeah and really you know energetic and stuff but you can always see these like little cracks, mm-hmm. which to me, I thought her performance was the best thing about like, if you didn't have that performance, plus uh, the cinematography from Sean Price Williams, I mean, this would have been, this would have been a rough one to sit through. Yeah. I think that I like the poster. I think it's a, it's a great poster. I like all of the, like the, the title work, the, the way that the, um, was like the next day and like the stuff would come up, like the text would come up on the screen. I liked those animations and the transitions and stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. I liked the cinematography I thought was, was really solid. I liked all of the neon that was used in it. And it wasn't, it wasn't like the type of neon that you would see in like drive or something like that, where it's like this eighties style neon. It's this kind of seedy, back alley grungy neon if that makes sense yeah it's kind of like it's hazed out yeah it's it's, it's like a foggy neon it it reminds me of like when like when mario bava and his later films would really kind of just drench everything in bright lights and colors and stuff and i, li- I like that a lot um lots of really great lighting in this movie oh yeah but other than it's that just, you know it was just pre- it was pretty it's average it's pretty average psychological thriller really that you know it's, it's, it's really really average yeah there's just a whole lot going on and i was i mean sort of to a certain extent it was enjoyable enough you know but it it kind of lost me with the like the end what happens what transpires at the end just that seemed kind of like lazy, lazy writing yeah where everything just kind of I thought it was going to go another way, but from that point on, it's just like, come on. Also, also I have a, without giving anything away, I have a really hard time believing that the other, that other woman would just accept that. You know what I mean? Like, (laughs) I feel like as soon as she got that message, she she would be like, okay, well clearly there's something very wrong that just happened here because there's no way he would send that message. And I, and I don't feel like she was, uh, she was good enough with the French language to not make errors in, in that. Well, yeah, I mean, text. Cause, so, cause there's two things. One, you're on the phone with them when it happens. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, something happened. Yeah. Two, let's say that 
you you know when when you were engaged with your wife like if she just disappeared would you just be like oh okay i guess that's that yeah <laughs> like <laughs> no i don't think so and especially if if that was the phone conversation that you had before that you just be like well just seems like it didn't work out between us <laughs> yeah no come on but also th- this is maybe a mild spoiler but he's gonna wake up and that's gonna be the end of that so i just um yeah i was a little bit meh on the uh the ending there yeah i mean that's where it kind of it just felt pointless at that you know once once that once that happened once we went you know where it kind of took it to the next level and the way in which it took it to the next level i was just like no this isn't working I thought maybe we could do this, but it's not working. Yeah. All right. Final thoughts on Thirst Street? Uh, I'm still a fan of Nathan Silver. Lot like I, I'm same here. I still really like his his stuff. <clears throat> and this is something that bothers me too. With because I was really excited for this because I absolutely loved Stinking Heaven, which didn't really get picked up or seen. And Thirst Street, kind of the same thing, but it does seem like this one has gotten a little more buzz than Stinking Heaven did. And it's almost like you can kind of tell where this one's just like, it's just kind of safe. Yeah. It's just an average film. It's just like, what? Why are these the ones that we pick up? Yeah, this is, I think that this is definitely one of the most mainstream of his movies thus far. I mean, certainly like you look at something like Actor Martinez that just that really flew under the radar like nobody saw yeah, that that's one true. i didn't even see that one yeah <laughs> and that one was great i loved it but i i think that that's Which, one she, that people just would not get she was in that one too wasn't she yeah she played herself in that yeah. actually okay that's what i thought i thought i remember you saying like they don't they hire her yeah. as the girlfriend yeah or something? <laughs> yeah they they cast her as the girlfriend and it makes things very awkward and strange. I can imagine. Yeah, I can imagine. It's great though, that movie. I, I want to rewatch that because it's just yeah, that's one that I have to. I got to catch up on for uh, the old twenty seventeen. Definitely your end list. Definitely. Uh, all right, scores for Thirst Street. I'm gonna give it. Hmm. I'm gonna say like it's a six for me, like a six out of ten. Yeah, I, th- I originally gave it a six point five, but that's just because I couldn't commit one way or the other, and I'm here now to say that I can commit to a six. Okay, that's what the review should have been. It should have been a six. No, we're not going to change it now. I call myself out though. I do that you know, too. I've done that too. Just, just like because you can't decide between the seven or the six, and it's just like you know what. I got stuff I got to do. I'm going to go with a six. And also it helps to talk it out, you know? True. Yeah. That's another thing. Cause I thought maybe something would come up. Cause usually I know, I know like we were, when I found out that I had to review this, that I forgot and that it was coming out. I was really worried cause I didn't really have much to say. And if you read the review, I had it might have stayed that way, but I was. <laughs> well, you don't. I, I, was, I noticed that you don't really have a concluding paragraph in that. I was, you, you, you were just like, "This is it. This is, you just ended it." Well, I also 
over like the last year or so, I'm trying to move away from the concluding paragraph. You just, you just, just want to end it. You just want to end that shit. Like, why do you need a why do you need a paragraph at the end? To con- you know, well, to, like, just say it wraps things everything. up. Some sometimes you read a review and you're uh, like, did they just did they forget to finish this or? Nah, I just, <laughs> I just walk out the room at that point. That's what it is. If you like, you know, you know me. That's like your trademark. It makes sense, really. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. That's just me. Like I said, Get, what I had to say, and then I just walked getting out. up and leaving without without <laughs> letting anyone know. And you're just like, is that the end? Yeah, it is. Yeah, there you have it. Thirst Street. That's uh, <laughs> playing right now in New York. I imagine it will hit VOD at some point, uh, probably in the near future. So keep keep an eye out for that if you think it might interest you. Uh, let's talk about a ghost story. This is written and directed by David Lowry. I have a synopsis for this one. In this singular exploration of legacy, love, loss, and the enormity of existence, a recently deceased white-sheeted ghost returns to his suburban home to try to reconnect with his bereft wife. The stars Casey Affleck and Rooney Mara. Kevin, we'll start with you. What did you think of a ghost story? Um, this movie's kind of Bullshit? Bullshit? It's bullshit. It's like a huge waste of fucking time. I did not like a ghost story. It kind of it kind of pissed me off. Because let's be honest, this movie doesn't have a single fucking thing to say up until the the Will Oldham section when he pops up and he gives like his monologue at that party, which that's that seemed like a terrible party. <laughs> it seemed like and... a depre- It seemed like the most depressing party on the face of the earth. <laughs> it's such is so terrible. But and once that happened, that's ha- that happens at like forty-five minutes in, fifty minutes in, like up until that point, this movie literally says nothing. Well, there's like almost no dialogue. Like it, it, it yeah, it, it quite literally says. But it, but literally. even even without the dialogue, if you just look at what's on screen, you know what's presented, the actions and everything, and you're just like, what what does it say outside of Casey Affleck dies? And Rooney Mar has a tough time with it. Like, nothing. It's just him walking around in a sheet. She eats a pie for, like, 20 minutes. That's it. It's just the, him in a sheet looking out windows. He's observing. He's he's observing uh, life without him in it. And yeah, existence moving forward without him. And uh-huh. he's just trying to get that note in the doorframe, which resulted in... One of the most awful noises I've ever heard uh, on screen. I don't know. The sound of him scratching at that door frame, that just went just through me. It was like nails on a chalkboard for me. It, it truly was. Like, Which also the music, I thought the music was a bit much. It, seemed, it, was, uh, it was really intrusive and obnoxious. I like the music, but I will agree that, yeah, I mean, if you weren't, if you weren't gelling with the music... It was pretty. Almost, it was pretty overt. It's, it's kind of constant too. Now, I mean, not, not to say that I hated all the music. It's just it didn't seem to let up, and it just kept going. And then you know, you got that music going, and you got some dude. Because I don't even know if it's Casey Affleck. They, I mean, they don't even really need him under the sheet. They could have just hoodwinked us. I think it and was the guy in the sh- sheet looking around. Yeah, I think it was him. But uh, yeah, and then there's a. The whole, the section before Bonnie Prince Billy shows up, which that even irritates me a little bit too, because you have nothing to say until Bonnie Prince Billy shows up. 
And then the only thing that you can do is just have a guy essentially try and say what the film's about in this dial, you know, this monologue that doesn't really make any sense like, to be happening at this yeah, point in time. But I like that monologue a lot, though. I, I mean, I've I liked it, but I don't know if it worked in the context that he wanted it to. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So you have nothing to say for 50 minutes. And then you're just going to have this guy who's a no one just give this, just blurt out everything. So that way we can, you can essentially comment on what's to come after this. Mm -hmm. And then everything with the, 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 the Spanish family I thought was ridiculous because he's just a dick ghost. He's just a dick for no reason. Yeah, I was wondering at first I was like, why is he doing that? Is he just like, like this is his house and he feels like they're intruders in his home and he wants them out or like what what's the frustration here bud like you you're, you you know you're a ghost you know you're dead you know you're stuck in this house just i would just be like okay well this is this is it now this yeah. i'm just going to sit back and observe this family and why, do why what you, i got to do you got to go after kids single mom no less seems really rude but he was kind of a baby too when when they showed when he was alive when he wasn't the sheep. Yeah, yeah. When he he's was like, like a little bit just, of a tool. Yeah, he's just like all he did was mope around. He's like, what we talk about today? That's, uh, it's just. I think I got we got off on the wrong foot with her eating a pie because I was literally thinking like, when's this gonna end? Am I just watching her eat a pie? I thought it was a uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the dude's name? Joel. Uh, Petroikis, the the dude that <laughs> did buzzard and kinda, it was like one of those it was like one of those yeah. scenes it's just like well she's gonna eat this pie okay because even when that happens that's like 20 minutes in and nothing's really happened yet yeah she straight up just eats that whole pie she does she does which i was told that that was the first time she ever ate pie. i saw that on twitter from from ken ken gave me that news how do you go She's she's probably what almost thirty. How do you go that long without eating a pie? Ever having pie? I don't know. That, that's bizarre like to me. To believe, but I don't know. Maybe like what kind of weird upbringing must she have had to have never experienced pie before? I don't know. She got that. You you, you saw history being made. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well. Eating pie for the first time. And, uh, judging That's from judging from what happens in the movie, I'd say she did not enjoy it very much, or maybe she enjoyed no, it too much. No. Maybe that's what it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, I think if you have yeah, if you have that mixture of like grief, and the mixture of sorrow and pie, and yeah, and then just all that pie at once too. I guess Ken said there was a, like a vegan chocolate pie, which I don't know if that's the best pie to start your pie eating career yeah, with. Yeah, it sounds like it'd probably be a very chocolate pie. bitter and not enjoyable. Yeah, I don't know if I'd do that. It's a bit rich. It's a bit rich. I wonder how many takes they had to do. I thought, you know, it was funny, pie. like, as I was watching it, I was like, man, I hope they I hope they got this all done in one take. Because... I shit ton of pies. Yeah. <laughs> Or else that that vomiting probably would, would would have been real. Maybe that was real. Uh, Maybe that was like the seventeenth pie she. I don't think it didn't. I don't think so. You can usually tell. She, she never. She's never gonna eat pie again. <laughs> it turned her off pie completely. Because her first experience with pie was it such was, an yeah. awful one. Um, I actually liked this movie quite a bit. 
I didn't love it, but right. I was expecting to love it. But um, mo- most it's got some nice visuals. Yeah, most of the aspects that I liked were the visuals. I I did like the music quite a bit. Um, when when a film has music in it that I like a lot and music that I think goes really well with the film, it, that goes a really long way for me. Um, going back to Wes Anderson, one of the one of the reasons that I like his movies so much is uh, is the the music that he has in his in his movies, and I thought that the music was really well done in this because I thought that it it helped accentuate the various scenes that it was in. Um, I liked I liked the aspect ratio. I I was digging that, and I thought that worked well with the visuals, which I thought. Almost every frame was gorgeous. Just the various shots of him standing, brooding as a ghost in different areas. It all worked for me. That that was all great. Um, story-wise, <clears throat> I will agree that it didn't seem like it had much to say until the monologue part. But then everything that happens after that, I thought there were some really interesting things. You know, how they skip skip forward in time and we get to see you know what comes after they tear down the house and what he does later and then where it goes from there at the end where you know time is this like cyclical thing i thought that that was kind of an interesting uh thing that happened i think i think i was because i mean it did it at least tempted to redeem itself at the end there but I think at that point I was just like, you know what? Fifty minutes in, like you're done. <laughs> you you like, you could have missed this the cutoff, shit. guys. This could have been a short film. We could have done this in fucking eighteen minutes and been out of here. Like, see, this is another film that points me to like short films need to be appreciated more and valued more because I think I think it does take a certain amount of backbone and some gall. To say, you know what, this is a 12-minute movie. This is a 12-minute idea. And I'm just going to bang it out in those 12 minutes. Well, I mean, shit, like, even if... So this is an hour and a half long. Just just over an hour and a half long. Short films can be an hour, you know? Like, you can... If you knock this down to, like, 45 minutes, that would have been a, no. a tight, well-made short film. Well-paced. Um as it stands, this is I, I don't think that this is a very well paced movie. I think that it takes a really long time to get going, and I found myself becoming impatient, you know, with it. Yeah. And and that like I don't have an issue with slow cinema per se, you know. But usually in slow cinema where you have this like really slow pace to it and you're just you're really taking your time and your certain amount of patience is needed, you're usually working towards something. Right, or it's we're here. They just they weren't really working towards anything, and then all of a sudden, you know, Will Oldham shows up, and then it's like, hey, we're going to be a movie now. It's like, oh, okay, thanks. Like, why didn't you do that fifty minutes well, it, ago, though? The, a couple things on that. One, it seems like that this is the type of movie that you have to know what it's about before going into it. Like, they expect you to know, like, oh, this is about, um, you know, he dies and he's observing his life and existence and all of this stuff like going into it and i I don't think that that's a a good idea to to do that um the other thing is when it comes to like 
these kind of slow plodding films, a lot of them work because they allow room for like contemplation. Like a lot of these movies that are slow burns, you're anticipating something or you're deconstructing what you're watching. You know, like um, I, I'm trying to think like some of like uh, Haneke's films, you could do this where maybe what you're watching is not, you know, the fastest paced thing, but you're, you're trying to, drink in everything that's going on and process what you're watching. And it, and yeah. with this movie, I just don't think there was a whole lot of that. I think that it relied really heavily on the visuals to keep you going. And like, yeah. for, like obviously that that's something that didn't work for you. For me, the visuals were, were enough to keep me engaged, but I do agree that it was just uh, yeah, a little, a little too plotting for me. I did like, you know, I was kind of surprised towards the end where he's kind of like walking through the, like the corporate setting. And I'm just like, you know what? I'm really happy that there exists shots of a guy with a white sheet on as a ghost, just walking around a corporate building. I th- it just really worked for me. There was also some On a visual level, but at the same time, I'm just like, it's just a ghost walking around a corporate building. <laughs> yeah. like, what the fuck is the point of this? What are you saying? Are you saying anything? Um, the There was also some humor in it. Not a lot. I'd say overall it's a pretty pretty depressing movie. Uh, not, not a lot of uplifting stuff going on here. From the trailer, I was expecting it to be like, sure, it's like gonna, it's gonna be sad, but it's gonna be ultimately kind of this uplifting piece about humanity and and all of that stuff but it's i didn't really maybe they're going for that towards the end but i didn't really get that too much i just looked at it as i mean they they definitely were trying to do that at the end but yeah but it just kind of came off more as like a nihilism right yeah especially with his whole monologue and everything and i mean there is like a certain amount of comedy to it because it it's 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 enormously silly Sure, it's it's like you're just you're just watching. I mean, it's a guy in a sheet. I'm sitting here and, for yeah for an hour and a half. I'm watching Casey Affleck in a sheet. Yeah, and I think that that's intentional. There's also the there's a couple scenes where he sees another ghost that's next door that he communicates with, I guess telepathically, and which I don't understand why how they because that's another thing that kind of irritated me with the Spanish family is they don't subtitle anything so. Like, to me, that whole section just it feels so weird and pointless. But then they're, like, subtitling between the ghosts. Well, I'm thinking that's probably because <laughs> Casey Affleck didn't speak Spanish, so he didn't know Which what I, they were I kind of thought saying that too. completely. But not all, of the, not all of the shots with the Spanish family were from his point of view. There's times where they're talking to each other. He's not even in the room. So that doesn't really work. Plus, just to have the, like a large chunk like that, eh. to just I'm not it didn't necessarily bother me. I mean, I picked up on the context clues and stuff, and I think that there probably wasn't any kind of. I think it would have been weird <laughs> if they didn't if they didn't talk at all or, or well, yeah. very little. I think just subtitle it. Seems like yeah, I guess they could have just subtitled it. But also to subtitle the ghosts talking to each other. Number one, I don't know why the other ghost was there. So he didn't really do anything. And I don't I, know why I, I just think, assume that it's a he ghost. 
and the two they talk to each other and there's their subtitles but they don't really talk you know but they don't really have anything to say to each other yeah you'd think so, you'd think that they would spark up a little bit of a friendship right i mean at least they had they had some some commonality there like they they were both ghosts they were both ghosts for yeah, all they for all that, they knew they were stuck there for eternity like if I was yeah. Casey Affleck, I'd be like, "How long have you been here? You know, how did you die?" I'll, I would. Have you have you learned anything cool that you can do? Like, is is there some things that we can do that I don't know? Yeah, we... I would have so many goddamn questions. I mean, you're a ghost at this point. But he didn't care. He just he wanted to get that note out of the wall. No, he just he just moped around and cried like a baby, just throwing plates and shit. He was just pissed that he couldn't use pro tools anymore yeah it's just such a baby i mean i did there's one part well two parts i like the the camera work where she was lugging out the i don't know what that was like a hutch yeah. or something how they did that i thought that was quite nice mm-hmm. and when he first gets the note out and the the bulldozer comes yeah that was awesome i enjoyed that it's everything that scared else. me actually but it, it got me to jump a little <laughs> bit i wasn't ready for it yeah even though they show that in the trailer, I did not. I was not ready for that. That that house came down quick. Like I, it, did, I'd be, it did not seem structurally. Yeah, I'd be concerned if you can knock down a house that that quick. Like I'd be very concerned about that. It just kind of folded in on itself, didn't it? Yeah, it's just they they ripped it down in like a minute. I'd like to think that it would take longer than that to take down. I mean, it wasn't even like. Just a regular size bulldozer too. It wasn't anything beefy. <laughs> did it? Did it have studs? Was there studs in that house? <laughs> it was just, it was just drywall. <laughs> <laughs> just knock that shit over. Yeah, and yeah, a ghost story. I mean, Casey Affleck is kind of a, a selfish baby, and he walks around in a sheet. There you go. Well, that was the that was kind of the interesting thing that they did where. They didn't really develop the characters. I thought that there was going to be a little bit more of that. Like, I thought that he was going to be observing her more and, like, getting to know her more and understand her better, like, in in ways that he couldn't do when he was alive. And that it was going to, you know, kind of, like, rekindle this love that he had for her and all of this stuff. (laughs) But, like, they they really didn't spend a lot of time developing these characters or their relationship. I mean, at best, it seemed like their marriage was on the rocks. Yeah. Cause like, she just, she, she essentially just eats up high for 20 minutes, throws up and then she's gone. Yeah. And then she just leaves the rest of the movie. And then she kind of shows up at the end through some flashback, but yeah. And maybe, maybe that was kind of one of the, one of the things that maybe irked me a little bit about it was the fact that I felt like there there wasn't quite enough development with these characters, like because I I had very little attachment to either of them, and it surprised me to see yeah. how quickly Rooney Mara was gone. Yeah, hell, we spend more time with Will Oldham. Yeah, I mean, we get to know him more. We get the whole, you know, learn his whole philosophy. Yeah. And Casey Affleck just mumbles some shit. Like I don't even know if I could understand half the shit he said. I just I knew that she wanted to move. She wanted to get out of the house, and he liked it, and he wanted to stay there. Seems like a, I don't know why that was such a difficult thing for them. 
You know what I mean? It seemed like it was really eating their marriage up. Yeah, I don't know, like, but, uh, but I also don't really it. understand why he loved that house so much because, honestly, it was pretty shitty inside. It was, it was kind of a shitty house, and, I mean, shit, he learned later on in the afterlife that it was it was a shit <laughs> it was, it house. Made like, paper. It just fell apart. <laughs> it had no studs. There was no studs in that house. It was made out of plywood, I think. He had some special attachment to it, I guess because he's been a ghost there all of his life. I don't know. It's just whatever. Yeah. This movie irritates me. Yeah. Uh, I, I still enjoy it. We got to eat some pies. So there you go. Yep. All right. That's a ghost story. Kevin, what are you going to give this one out of 10? I'm going to give it a two. A two? <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> two for cinematography. Wow. A negative, a negative eight for everything else. Um, this one's going to be a, I'll say 6.5 for me. Uh, right. Six, 6.5, somewhere around there. Doubling up on them sixes. Yeah. I, I enjoyed it. All right. Let's talk about <laughs> someone we'll be watching. Say, I, what? I, I was going to say, I can tell. Sounds like you really enjoyed yourself. <laughs> there, there were a lot of things I did like about it. The, um, I mean, mostly... Like I said, mostly the cinematography and the music. Yeah. I mean, you can't get a lot of good visuals out of a, a dude in a sheet walking around. It works. Yeah. I mean, the, give you that. Like the color, just the color palette that they picked and the, like, the, everything felt really dusty. Yeah. Yeah. Felt very vintage to me. I liked that. All right. Let's talk about some of we're watching on the watch list. I actually only saw one other movie this week. Ooh. Yeah, and it, it's not really a movie that's, I guess, really worth talking about too much. It's called 30 Years of Garbage, The Garbage Pail Kids Story. <laughs> it's a documentary about the Garbage Pail Kids. Uh, no. Yeah, is it? it is. So, I don't know about you, but I was a pretty big fan of the Garbage Pail Kids when I was a youngin. And hey, I, I didn't have any of them, but... Uh, a friend of ours, he had like a huge collection, right? And anytime we would go to his house, like we had to look at his collection. I loved, I loved, and I loved him, but I never got to have him. I didn't have, I never got to have. I him. didn't have a lot of them. I had a few packs. Um, I there were like some some of the tops cards that I really loved. Like uh, Mars Attacks was one that I was just obsessed with. When I was younger, and then also Dinosaurs Attack, which was not quite as well known, but it was basically the same premise where it's just uh, really violent images of dinosaurs murdering people on on trading cards. Uh, But I was a huge fan of Dinosaurs Attack, and naturally I was was a big fan of Garbage Bell Kids as well. So I was was interested to, to see... You know, the the story behind them and all of that and the the artists who were who were um, the creators of this pop culture phenomenon. Didn't know it, but Art Spiegelman was one of the creators. You may know him from his uh, graphic novels, Mouse. Oh, really? Yeah. I didn't know yep. that. Yep. The guy who uh, wrote and drew the, I think it was a Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel, Mouse was one of the creators of the garbage pail kids and he was still working there. It's not like there was a huge separation. He was still working there when mouse came out. 
So it was like he was he was still working at Tops making garbage pail kids. Nice. Um it's a decent documentary. It's a lot similar structurally to a lot of these other kind of pop culture documentaries that I feel like have been there there's been a lot of them coming out over the last let's say 3 years or so. Um nostalgia is huge right now. It's a big money maker and Kickstarter is uh, yeah i mean i i feel like it's gonna end soon i feel like the nostalgia bubble is gonna burst pretty soon um but with kickstarter what's happening that i've noticed is a lot of these kind of niche things are you know people are putting up projects on kickstarter to see if there's interest in them and if they get backed then we get a garbage pail kids documentary i mean there's one about back to the future there's one about ghostbusters uh there's, I think there's a back, yeah, there's, yeah, back in time. That's what it's called. Uh, there's the Ghostbusters one. There's a He-Man one that's coming out. I don't think it's out yet. There was a Turtles one that came out last year. And they're all pretty much the same. They follow sort of the same format where, you know, they go through how the property was created and the, the minds behind the original ones and then the difficulty they had at the beginning and then how it blew up and then how it spawned all these other things and where they're at now. So it's all pretty much the same. It works, you know, it's informative, it's entertaining. The, they did a lot of really cool stuff in this, in this one that made it feel um, very high quality. Like there was a lot of custom artwork and titles and animations and stuff. And it, it made it look pretty, pretty good for the most part. So I'd say it's a light recommend if you if you were fond of Garbage Pail Kids as a as a kid and are interested to to go down you know the nostalgia road one more time, it's probably worth mm-hmm. a look. Uh, <clears throat> it's probably worth mentioning that I didn't realize this until after the the movie, but the director Jeff Zapata. I believe is he works for tops. Like he works for, I think he is, he did like the newer series of garbage pail kids. So, so okay. I feel like that should be something to know going into it. Cause I feel like that's a little bit of a conflict of interest, but it's <laughs> not really that big of a deal, I guess. Yeah. Um, this is available now. It came out this weekend on uh, VOD platforms. I rented it on YouTube it's cheapest on YouTube. They have it. Okay. It's available on like Google Play and iTunes and all of that. It but it's three ninety nine for the uh, SD version and four ninety nine for the HD version on YouTube. Okay. So okay. Yeah, thirty years of garbage. Uh, I watched uh, William Friedkin's Bug. Oh, from two thousand six. I hated this movie. Really? Yep. I I actually I liked it a good bit. I hated it. I saw it in the theater I and I could not stand it. I wanted to leave. I thought Michael Shannon was great. I was actually kind of surprised by Harry Connick Jr. I thought he was pretty good in this. And uh, the the there's a certain sequence between the two of them, Shannon and Connick, that I just I thought it was great. The way in which Michael Shannon reacts to him and everything it was really funny. Um, love the way in which it was shot, the camera work. <clears throat> Pretty much everything about it. The only thing that kind of lost me is when the doctor shows up at the end, 
Now, I loved the way like the room was set up, like the production design of that that whole thing. But the doctor shows up; that it kind of started falling apart for me, and I wasn't a hundred percent on board with um, Ashley Judd's character, like her immediate buy-in, mm-hmm. and just straight down. Like to a certain extent, it made sense, but it seemed like a bit much. It's just a bit too much for me towards the end. But overall, I I, I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's pretty good. Well, good for you. I like I like that bug movie, and I think this is for me. This is a perfect example of how you take a play and make it a film. Because mm. you know, like a lot of stuff that you watch nowadays, it just feels like a film play. Like they just made a play and just filmed it. Where here they, you know, it seems like they actually took the time to make it cinematic, at least. Right. Cool. That's bug. Bug. I don't have anything else. Uh, I re I rewatched The Shining just now before we recorded. Oh, because that's on Netflix Instant. I think it's going away soon too. So I was like, let's do The Shining once again. This time around, interestingly enough, because this is like seventh or eighth time I've seen this movie. Um, Jack Nicholson just really irritated the fuck out of me this time around. I just I like I didn't like his performance at all. Just didn't like it. It's way too hammy. Hmm. But everything else I loved. Because, I mean, it's just, there's so many things about it that I just absolutely love. Mostly just the production design and that great, great camera work. But I don't know what it was, but I guess I was just wasn't in the mood for Jack Nicholson doing his thing. Well, the other thing is, like, his performance in that movie has entered the cultural zeitgeist so heavily at this point yeah. that oh, true. almost every time you see it, it almost feels like parody. That's true. That's a good point. It could be a, a, a portion of that. I think there's also just the, I don't know, like I just, I seem to have this aversion to like movie star performances where they just, you know, like they're, they're just given too much because they can, because he's Jack Nicholson. <laughs> he's just, that's just, like, you, you want him to be a little less good. Like just, we we know it's you're Jack like, Nicholson. Just, we know you're a treasure. Calm it down a little bit. Let's rein it in a little bit. Let's not let's not go too. Uh, just make a couple crazy. of your lines sound stilted. Just just a couple. But it's just like a nonstop parade of him tilting his head, doing the wide grin thing. It's just like, geez, dude, just rein it in. Like you don't have to be at a level eleven. Yeah, that could, that could have that year. could have been the character though. I mean, Kubrick may have been telling him to do that. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, there's definitely that. Just I just throwing it out there for whatever reason. Not time around. I was like, I ain't I ain't having this Jack Nicholson thing. All right, fair enough. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Number ten. Fair enough. Uh, and then the one other movie that I saw was uh, Surreal Estate. Oh, which is yeah, nice uh, play on words yeah. there. Right now, this is about real estate, but guess what? It's surreal. Some surrealism. Yep, there's some surrealism in there. Uh, Eduardo Di Gregorio. Uh, this is his his debut, right? <clears throat> and he's someone that's um, collaborated with Jacques Rivette, and it has a lot of the stuff that I love from the 70s in that there's a guy he's a writer he's going to look at villas in france comes to this house 
and it's just he's kind of it just seems odd you know there's just one woman there and she's kind of like doing this performance she's just acting bizarre and then when he comes back the next day there's two different women there and they said they've never heard of the woman he's talking about and <clears throat> you know they say come back later and you can try and find her we'll leave the house and of course he finds her again so it's trying to like there's you know like this phantom woman that lives in the house but of course it turns out to be like kind of a con and then they're, they're playing him but you're never entirely sure how they're playing him and what exactly is going on because they're essentially playing roles and for the most part it works um it's uh the pacing's just a bit off. It, it does become a bit of a slog because it's like constantly shifting on this con where you almost lose interest because nothing's really getting accomplished and there's no real intrigue anymore because everything's just, you know, at a certain point you just know that, okay, well, this is, this is another red herring and this is another red herring and another one. So, you know, it loses you after a while, but it's definitely worth a look if you're into that type of thing. Okay. And that is Surreal Estate from 1976. That's on Mubi, Mubi. by the way. Check Mubi. it out on Mubi. Mubi's killing it lately. Uh, let's move on and talk about some new releases. Let's see what we got coming up this week for September 29th. We got American Made. It's the Tom Cruise one. Mm-hmm. Not... Not too interested in this, actually. Probably, probably not gonna, probably not gonna see this one. Flatliners, <laughs> unnecessary remake. I'd probably avoid that one. It's actually a sequel. Oh, that's right. It's a sequel. That's right. We determined that it was a, a sequel. sequel with the same, with the same title. I want to. Yeah, I'm wondering what they're gonna do with that. I almost want to see it just to just to determine if it's if it is a remake or a sequel. Because I know that Kiefer, Kiefer Sutherland's in it and he plays the same character. But I'm, what I'm wondering is if he plays that character from the original movie having gone through those experiences or if he just happens to play, you know what I mean? Like the, the same character, but, yeah, he, but he's not aware of what's going it. on. I don't know. You you go ahead and watch <laughs> nah, it. Yeah, probably. I don't think I care enough. I'll check it out when it hits... Uh, VOD or Netflix or whatever, but not definitely not a theater watch for me. We also have Lucky. This is the Harry Dean Stanton film. Really? Yep. Uh, this one looks good. I would recommend checking this out. We've got Super Dark Times. This one's a thriller. It takes place in the 90s about a group of friends. Something bad happens to them. I'd recommend checking this out. This is This one's worth a look. Uh, Mark Felt, the man who brought down <clears throat> the White House. Ooh. It was cut off, and I'm like, what did he bring down? We have Realive, Window Horses, Our Souls at Night. I think that's on Netflix. Yeah. Robert Redford. Literally right before Aaron. This is the one uh, with... This is the... Uh, what's her name? Kobe, uh, Kobe Smolders. Justin Long. Okay. There. This is uh who who directed this? This is um This is one of those where I'm looking, you know, at like a still and the who's in it and the poster, and it's like I'm pretty sure I've already seen this. <laughs> yeah. I mean like it's one of those films where it's like, yeah, this is we've seen this before. 
like like I clicked on it and it doesn't tell me who a director is. Yeah, literally list no yeah. director. Yeah, it's odd. There's no one directed it. Yeah, um, ro- it was made by a computer. It's an algorithm. Rotten Tomatoes, you need to fix that. Let me pull up my email here and I'll tell you who directed it. It was written, edited, and directed by Ryan Eagold. So there you go. Uh, yeah, probably not too interested in that. Let's see what else we got here. Hearthstone, not Hearthstone, not the game. Got the Hearthstone. Take every wave. The life of Laird Hamilton. A little, little surfing uh-huh. doc there. Don't sleep. It's a horror movie. Chasing the dragon. Uh, yeah, Andy Lau. Andy Lau. Yeah. I thought it was uh, that was going to be a documentary about heroin addiction or something. No, no, it's not. What does it say? Donnie Yen stars as infamous real-life drug kingpin Crippled Ho. Crippled Ho, who came to Hong Kong, an illegal immigrant in 1963 and ruthlessly carved an empire from the chaotic underworld of drug dealers and corrupt police that ruled the city under notorious detective Lee Rock, played by Andy Lau. Get out of here. Hell yeah. Yeah, I'll check that one out. I mean, it sounds like it, sounds, it sounds kind of like Scarface almost. But uh I'm I'm totally down for a Scarface remake with Donnie Yen and Andy Lau. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Uh, we also have a question of faith. AlphaGo, Bloodstrike, uh Teata, The Sound, White Sun, The Pathological Optimist. Mm-hmm. That's about um, that guy who, the famous um, uh, Andrew Wakefield, who was one of the kind of people, one of the early people that was like an anti-vaccine oh, God. person. Youth. Uh, and that's looks like it for theaters. Let's take a look at what's on VOD this week. We got Infinity Chamber that comes out on tuesday and then on friday we have literally right before aaron and don't sleep blu-ray this week we have psychos in love from 1987 i believe this is a vinegar syndrome release pretty interested in that it's got an awesome cover and i never saw that one so definitely be checking that out transformers the last night i'd say probably skip that one because why wouldn't you Mm. 222, uh, let's see, Queen of the Desert, that's the um, Herzog one, Uh, there's a movie, there's a collection coming out called The Real Gore Collection, featuring Violent Shit the Movie, The Orphan Killer, The Curse of Dr. Wolfenstein, and Masks. Violent shit, the movie. What? Violent shit, the movie. That's what's yeah. called. Yep. No, it's it not. absolutely is. Big surprise! Cool. Flatliners from 1990 is getting a new Blu-ray release. As is Death Wish from 1974. No doubt, getting ready for that remake with uh, Bruce Willis. Waiting for Guffman is getting a new Blu-ray release from 1996. That's a good movie. It's a great movie. Holy crap. Love that. Love me some waiting for Guffman. Let's see. Devil's Candy. I felt like I just mentioned that last week. 
You might have. I think I did. There is. There's two movies called Violent Shit. Oh. I don't know how this happened. Escape from LA is coming out on Blu ray 1996. I know it's a controversial statement, but I think I prefer Escape from LA over Escape from New York. You know what? I already took I already regretted saying that. I take it back. Oh, no. Okay, Violent Shit the movie is a remake. 1989's Violent Shit. Oh. Just, just a heads up. Okay. I don't know if you're still wondering. Um, oh, there's violent shit too. <laughs> I, I really wasn't wondering that much, hmm. but LA Confidential is getting a new Just release on Blu-ray from 1997. That's pretty much it. What do we have on the Criterion front this week? We have that uh, David Lynch documentary that you're kind of eh about, mm-hmm. which do- it doesn't seem that like it's really worthwhile. And then we also have the piano teacher from Haneke from 2001, a movie that I personally hated immensely. <laughs> I, I fucking hate that movie so much. So this, those are your two options, both of which I do not recommend. I think I, I think I hated the piano teacher too. I just, if oh you God. if you go back in our in our uh, podcast, we talk about it. Not some not a fan. I think it was an early one. Though. It was a really early one. Yeah, yeah, it was a really early. When one. I actually go back and listen to that, you probably don't. Mm, yeah, <laughs> maybe not. All right, I think that's gonna do it for this week. Thank you so much for tuning in. You can send us your questions and topics to podcastfilmpulse.net. You can follow us on Twitter at filmpulse.net and at filmpulsekevin. If you have a minute, take a look at our Patreon page, patreon.com/filmpulse. Consider helping us out by becoming a subscriber. For Kevin Rakestraw, my name's Adam Patterson. We'll see you next week.